Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Good morning. We're still working out the kinks. That's why we haven't invited all of our friends until next weekend. So, Man, are you guys doing all right this morning? First service, my favorite service in all of Orange County, right here, right now. All right, let me just tell you how this works. So this is what we call a rhetorical conversation, right? So you actually play a part in what happens on Sunday mornings, but you don't actually, I I might ask questions, but most of the time they're rhetorical. And so it's okay if you kind of talk back. Now, don't like stand up and start screaming things at me, but like for instance, let me just try this. It, it, if, you're, if you're feeling it, say yeah. Let me hear you say yeah. yeah. Okay, now, now if it's something deep and profound, say wow. wow. Now, if it's not good, just be quiet. Perfect. That's how it works. So are you feeling that? Say yeah. yeah. If it's really deep, you say wow. Okay, we're good, right? This is good. It's all right. For some reason at church, it feels like we need to be stoic and stay quiet and still and and that's not how we work at this church. In fact, it's so loud, you know we're okay with being loud. Now, if you were to stand up and start singing, our ushers will escort you out very quickly. Uh, but we do want you to audition for the team. So just to let you know, that's how it works. So if you're feeling it, say yeah. yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. So good to be in this place. Is that deep and profound? Wow. Wow, it's good. Well, man, we have made it to week two at Serrano Intermediate School. Come on, can we give God a hand clap in this place? That's kind of a big deal. And uh, man, this just the journey alone has been quite profound. And uh, so we're in the middle of this series called Till All Have Heard. Till All Have Heard. Somebody say, Till All Have Heard. If you're feeling it, say, Yeah. yeah. Oh man, this is good. So the vision, the heartbeat of the movement church is that we exist to inspire the one who's far from God to find life in Christ in life in the church. That is our our heartbeat. That is why we do what we do. That is why 15 men showed up today at 5.45 a.m. and started unloading the truck in the dark and set up the pipe and drape and ran cables and put lights up and made sure the kids' room was good and set up coffee and all the above because we want the one who's far from God to come in and experience something awesome. Are you feeling it? Say, yeah. Yeah, so good. What you need to know is that in this county, there are 3.1 million people. And of the 3.1 million people, only 10% attend church. And in my book, that's just not okay. That means that 2.7 million people are potentially missing out on the hope of who Jesus is. Now, what we are not is fanatics. What we are is idealists. We actually believe that together we can change the world one person at a time. And so we will preach the message of hope through a warm handshake, a smile with some good breath mints in, children's workers who are passionate about your kids, musicians that love music so much that they make weird faces as they play (laughs) their instruments. And we will do that, reaching one person at a time until all have heard. If you're feeling it, say yeah. yeah. That's the title of this series, Till All Have Heard. And I want to share just a quick passage of Scripture for you today. And, and in fact, I'm on this uh, journey of my own to try to condense my sermon in time. So 
here's my hope and my prayer that I will be finished preaching. You can mark your watches by 10.05. If I'm not, then it's okay. You can come back to second service and it'll be even better. So I want to read a passage of scripture to you. But if you'd like to follow along, we've tried to make this as easy as possible. You can text the word notes to the number that's on the screen right now. And then you can follow along the sermon in your YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have that, I don't have time to help you with that. Just search your apps for YouVersion. It's a Bible app. And literally every scripture will be there. You can take notes and save it, email it to yourself, and it'll be there for the rest of, you know, the internets. So it'll be good for you. And then also, one of the other things that we're doing right now, um, how many of you actually believe in the power of prayer? Would you just raise your hand for a moment? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, it's okay. We're not judging you. Uh, I just want you to know that we believe that prayer actually works. That's why my wife prayed for people today who might be sick. Uh, because we believe God does miracles. And so right now we're praying every day for 21 days, praying for our county, praying for you, praying for the 16th, which is coming up next Sunday where we're inviting all of our friends. 50,000 pieces of mail will hit mailboxes all around this neighborhood right here. And I want to invite you to join us in the journey. We have just a week left in this prayer journey. And if you'll text the word prayer to the number on the screen, prayer to the number on the screen, Every day you'll get a reminder of what we're praying for and a scripture to read. So even if you don't know how to pray, that's okay. Most people don't. It's as simple as just what I'm doing right now with you. And you just pray the prayer that's on there. And there's something unique that happens when people begin to pray believing. And here's the important part. Believing that God's going to do something miraculous. Listen, there's been people for century and millennia that didn't believe God can do something miraculous. So let's just change those statistics and begin to believe that God can do something. Is that awesome? So text the word prayer and join us for this journey. It's going to be amazing. Let me read a passage of scripture and I'll pray and we'll jump right in. Luke chapter 5, and I'm reading from the Passion Paraphrase. So if you're following the notes, it'll be the New Living, but the Passion Paraphrase will be on the screen for you today. Luke chapter 5, verses 17. This is how it reads. One day, many Jewish religious leaders, known as, quote-unquote, separated ones, along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee, throughout Judea, and even from Jerusalem, to hear Jesus teach. And the power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal. Verse 8 says this, Some men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him to the, past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. Verse 19, but because, everybody say, but because. But because, but because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled onto the roof. Come on, those guys like church. They crawled onto the roof tiles and, oh, I'm sorry, and dug their way through the roof tiles and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. If that happened right now, y'all would scream and run out of this building. And I would too, like a girl. Verse 20. Seeing the demonstration of their faith. Somebody say, their faith. Jesus said to the paraplegic man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. He healed the man and he got up and walked out of the house. The title of my message today is Just Hold the Rope. Somebody say, Just Hold the Rope. rope. Let's pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes. God, we thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you that the Cowboys are definitely going to win today. But more importantly... We're expecting you to do something uniquely significant here in the next 28 minutes. 
we don't want to just be the same when we leave here, even if we aren't really sure where we stand with our faith and belief in you. God, I know how you believe in us. So today, God, do what only you can do and be God. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, yeah. Yeah. That's an easier word than amen, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. (laughs) Remember, if it's deep and profound, what do you say? Wow. If you elongate it, it's really profound. Wow. Listen, I want to dive into this and kind of break it apart passage by passage and talk about what it means for you and for me today. And, and so if you're new to the movement, church, we believe that the Bible is more than just an amazing book with great stories about great people. We believe it's God's word for you and for me today, that he is the author of the word of God. And the Bible is the only book that you can read. And when you read it, the author leans in and says, I wrote that for you. So if you're here today and you don't believe that, you have permission to belong before you believe. But we're going to take some passages of Scripture, and I don't know what your faith journey is, but no matter where it is, I think all of us can walk away today with something profound. So let's just dive into the very beginning of this. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 says this, One day many Jewish leaders known as the separated ones, literally that's what that means, the separated ones, they were Pharisees. And the word Pharisee for religious leaders meant separated ones. And to some people that might sound profound, but to me it sounds like, ew. Like I don't even want to have anything to do with it. Like they were the separated ones, okay? Along with many religious scholars came from every village of of Galilee through Judea and even from Jerusalem. So that's like saying they came from Laguna Hills and Laguna Niguel and Mission Viejo and came to Serrano Intermediate to hear Jesus speak. Not that I'm Jesus, but to hear Jesus speak. So these Pharisees literally meant the separated ones, and they had this idea, this concept, that religion consisted in exact outward obedience to the law. So it was all about their outward actions that decided whether or not they were Pharisees. And here was the challenge. They believed that God only loved those that did as they did. Have you ever been around a, a religious person like that? That if you didn't live, act, breathe, think, talk exactly like they were, then you were cursed and going to the hottest part of hell? Anyone? Okay, a few of you are being honest. I grew up in an environment like that. And, uh, and I think here's the challenge of that. For too long, Christians um, have smelled of or smacked of self-righteousness. And in fact, there's nowhere in the scripture, scripture where God says, hey, I'd like for you to be self-righteous. Self-righteous is this pious attitude that I have everything figured out. And that's a dangerous place to be. If you ever meet somebody who has all the answers, run away. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably under 21, not married, <laughs> and still living with their parents. But outside of that... If you ever meet, if you're ever 21, if you're in here and you're 21, I love you. That's no, that wasn't you, somebody else. But listen, nobody has it all figured out. Let me just tell you this, and I haven't put it on the screens for you today, but I believe the greatest deterrent to, the spreading, to spreading the message of hope is the message of self-righteousness. Yeah. I believe for too long Christians have said, ooh, ooh, you don't look like us, talk like us, breathe like us, so you stay over there. In fact, in this environment, the house is full of religious leaders, and the one who needed it most could not, what? get in. That's a scary, scary place to be. And I think one thing that we can take from this right now is that none of us have everything figured out. Now listen to me, some people might be further down the road from you, and that's okay, but none of us have this thing figured out. And listen, there's always someone in this world and in this life who's further down the road from you. Are you tracking with me? 
No one has this thing figured out. The next passage says this, And the power of the Lord God surged through him. Somebody say surged. Do y'all remember that caffeinated beverage, surge? It was like cocaine, crack, and all kinds of things into a legal can of soda. Do y'all remember that? You would drink it and your eyelids would stay open. They couldn't even close. It was horrible. I don't do crack or cocaine, but I just remember that drink. What I love about this passage, and the power of the Lord God surged through him instantly to heal. I think this is important. Hey, and lean in for a moment. Look at me in the eyes. For I, I just think it's important that you know this. And regardless, if, if you don't believe, you have permission to just hang out. And that's okay. No worries. But anytime Jesus shows up, anything is possible. Yeah. And Jesus may not show up in the flesh, but he shows up in what God is doing through people. Yeah. And you may not always be able to see what God is doing right now, but I promise you, you can look back through the traces of your life and see the hand of God throughout. Stories that dots have connected that should not have connected, or even, if I may, the very fact that you're here today sitting in a church service next to some amazing people, most of them good looking. (laughs) And when Jesus shows up, anything can happen. And can I say one other thing too? Jesus wants to be a radical part of your life. And, and I think for some, that's a disconnect. What does that mean? This spiritual being that I can't see, feel, or touch, and he wants to be a part of my life. And that is where logic, reason, logic and reason meets faith. Because a journey with Jesus is a journey of faith. And you and I get faith because we have faith to believe that there are people in our lives who have good intentions. Now, you and I both know there are people in our lives who have bad intentions. But you can pick out one person that you know that you value their relationship and there is something innate inside of them that you cannot describe with a pen, yet it is just some kind of character quality in them and you go, I truly believe they are a good person. I believe they have good intentions for me. Maybe not perfect, but I believe and that, my friends, is the very essence of faith. And so a journey with Jesus is just simply faith to believe that maybe Jesus wants to be part of your life. And can I just tell you, there have been moments, even weeks and months in my life, where I have wavered in my faith and I've been a follower of Christ since I was six years old. I'll never forget when my wife and I came back from the funeral of her father in Dallas. We flew back to Arizona and they used to, in our church, kind of an old school church, men and women would come down front during praise and worship and if you needed prayer, you had to walk the walk of shame in front of everybody and stand down there like, oh, no, I'm just praying for finances. Nothing's wrong with my life. Everything's good. And, and you would stand in front of people and pray and I will never forget. We just got back from Arizona, and or from Dallas, and we had buried her father who had been battling cancer for three and a half years. Last week she talked about this and three and a half years believing and praying God heal him and God did but not on this earth. He took him to heaven. And never forget a couple, a young girl and her mom walking down the aisle weeping, coming to me for prayer. And I reach out my hands to hold their hands to pray with them and I'm thinking I don't have the faith to pray. So please understand if you're here and you waver in that That is not an accusation or a sentence of guilt and you failed at Christianity. It means you are merely human. So as I prayed for this family, this young girl who was struggling with rheumatoid arthritis at the age of 14, it was becoming debilitating for her life, and I just prayed the best prayer, God, I don't know what to say, but you are God. Would you 
heal her body. And I walked away, shame, head hung low, thinking there's no way. And you know what's crazy? God healed her body. So is that about my prayer? No, it's about who God is. And God can handle my lack of faith. And if he can handle my lack of faith, he can handle not yours, but your neighbor's lack of faith. So this journey with Jesus is just the faith to believe that God wants to be part of your life and taking your next step. Not 50 next steps, not becoming a Bible scholar, not knowing and memorizing the entire book of Romans, not knowing all the words to the song that we sing, even with the lyrics on there, I don't know. I'm like, I think that's what I know. Faith to believe God wants to be part of your life and just take your next step. When Jesus is here, anything can happen. This next passage of Scripture, I think, is like the best part of this whole story. Verse 18 says this. Some men, everybody say some men. Some men men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. The story begins. The, The narrative is painted. The separated ones. The religious leaders who spoke with an English accent because every Bible character does. You ever notice that in movies? I don't know why they speak with an English accent, but they do. They gathered in the home to hear Jesus teach. And now the story shifts, and it says, some men. You ever felt like just a regular old guy? Maybe not ladies, <laughs> regular old <laughs> gal. <laughs> the lady's like, yeah, sometimes I do, actually. <laughs> That's okay. It's all right. Some men. The narrative shifts and a new character steps on the scene. It's kind of like, have you ever seen, just show of hands, no judgment. Ever seen the movie, uh, The Usual Suspects? Raise your hands. Oh, that is your assignment for you today. It's not sanctified, just to let you know that. Uh, The movie begins, this horrible crime has taken place, and we find ourselves outside of a jail jail cell with like eight or ten unsuspect, crazy usual suspects that they gather in to kind of, do a lineup and see who's who, and they go around the room and introduce the characters, and that guy definitely is the evilest man in the room. And they go all the way around, and they pass this guy who they referred to as the gimp named Kevin Spacey. And the whole movie begins to evolve around him until the very end. He is Kaiser Sose, right? Anyone? And he starts to run. Anybody? No? Nobody? Okay. Watch the movie. Well, that's exactly what takes place right here in the scripture. We talk about religious leaders, the separated ones, and then an unsuspecting group of men, just some men, not politicians, not theologians, not religious leaders, not diplomats, not popular, not wealthy, just some men, regular, ordinary people. We're all ordinary, I'm sorry, I'm just singing John Legend in my mind right now. Ordinary, seemingly insignificant people. No qualifications to note. Average. Some men come in carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. And they attempted to bring him in past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. Anytime you have people that are hurting the best place to take them is to Jesus. Can somebody say, wow. wow? Wow. Verse 19. But because. Everybody say, but because. But because. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. The sad part of this story is who the house was full of. 
The room was full of scholars and religious leaders, separated ones and Pharisees. Now listen, what I'm not saying is that if you're a scholar or a religious leader or a teacher of the word that you do not belong in church. But what is scary to me is that there had to have been a moment where these men walked up to a doorway or a window and said, excuse me, we just got this guy here. You know, it doesn't even say his friends. It just says some men. I don't even know the paraplegic story. Perhaps he was carried out in the main travel thoroughfare and they saw him day after day, heard Jesus came and said, hey, remember that guy? Let's go get him. I don't know. We just know some men. And at some point in the story, they had to have been knocking on the door. Hey! This guy, he can't walk. He needs Jesus. But nobody let them in the house. These were not just passive-aggressive, oh, well, we got this far. (laughs) Sorry, bro. Wish you could walk. (laughs) These were obviously aggressive men because we've read the story and see what happens. So someone was not allowing these men inside the house. And this house was full of people who had knowledge of the truth but did nothing with it. It was the same religious leaders and Pharisees that nailed Jesus to the cross. This house was full of people who were more consumed with convincing themselves that they didn't need the truth of who Jesus was. They attempted to bring him in past the crowd, set him down in front of Jesus, but because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. I just wonder, I wonder how many people have walked away from church due to a but because. But because the church was centered around rules and regulations. But because I had to get my act together before I could attend. But because. I'll never forget, we pastored in an area in Phoenix. Your youth pastors had an amazing church there. And there was a young girl who got invited to our youth ministry but hadn't been to church yet. And she just barely getting comfortable with the idea of church. Senior in high school. We've been asking her, hey, come to church on Sunday morning. Visit us to church. Listen, just come and hang out. Listen, she wasn't a believer, a follower of Christ, whatever you want. She wasn't religious, nothing. Just barely open to the idea of coming to a youth group at our home. And we finally got her to church on a Sunday morning. And the way that she dressed in the minds of many of the religious leaders in that church was unacceptable. And I will never forget an older woman in our church who loved the Lord and had amazing intentions, walked up to her and said, Girl, you should know better than dressing like that in church. She began to cry immediately. She walked out the door and never came home. Never came back. I wonder how many people have stayed away from church due to a but because. I wonder how many other people were in that village who desperately needed a touch from God but because of religious leaders who were more consumed and concerned with rites and traditions and processes. They stayed on the outside of the house, not receiving from God due to a but because. But because no one talked to me. But because I didn't feel valuable. But because I've been hurt by the church but because man I just want to tell you as a movement church 
Let's make it easy for people to find the hope of who Jesus is and not be a but because church. Which means there may come a day if you're here and you're a Christ follower, I may ask you to give up your seat for someone who's brand new. Well, that just sounds ridiculous. This may not be the church for you. Oh, got real quiet here. We exist for the one who's far from God. That is why we exist. Not so that religious people can feel more religious and Christians can feel more Christian. Hey, listen. Let's remove the but because and help people find Jesus. Can we do that? Say yeah. Hey, that was good. If you're thinking this is deep, say wow. If you're not feeling it, say nothing. Everybody, whoa! That did not work out for me. The scripture goes on. It says this. Uh, so they crawled onto the roof and dug their way through the roof tiles and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. I love it. So they crawled onto the roof and they dug. Listen, I, I like how this translation, this paraphrase, it doesn't make it like, well, they just kind of neatly removed some ceiling tiles. <laughs> they dug into the roof, removed the tiles, and lowered the man, stretcher and all, right in front of Jesus. The audacity of these men. I would like to be friends with these some men. Because they didn't lower him in the back of the house. They didn't lower him in the upstairs and crawl down the stairs. They lowered him smack dab right in front of Jesus. I love it. They were relentless. They didn't care. They didn't care what was happening. They didn't care about their own self, their own accord. They just wanted to get this man in front of Jesus. And I think what's amazing about this story is something that I think we might miss if we aren't paying attention. In verse 20, look at what this says. Verse 20 says, Seeing the demonstration of whom? Thank you, Megan. Seeing the demonstration of whom? Is there a plural word? Now, who, who was sick? The paraplegic on the stretcher. That's one man. The scripture doesn't say seeing his faith. Right. Are you seeing this? Yeah. Okay. Whose faith did Jesus see? Some men. Some men. Seeing their faith, he said, hey, you're forgiven. Get up and be healed. Think about this story. Now, you can get theological on me if you want to. We'll go grab coffee or shoot me an email at I don't care at theocmovement.com. And I'm kidding. It's pastor at theocmovement.com. Anytime, email me. We'll go talk about it. <laughs> Nobody said wow on that one. That was good. <laughs> Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. A paralyzed man walked because some unqualified, regular, ordinary men simply held the rope. A paralyzed man was healed because some seemingly 
unqualified, ordinary men just held the rope. They didn't preach a sermon. They didn't sing a song. They just held the rope. And can I just tell you right now, holding this rope and lowering that man, it hurts. Yeah. You're getting blisters in your hand. This isn't comfortable to put that guy on the stretcher and, okay, listen, you ready? I, they didn't say how long they walked. Most people walk to see Jesus for miles. Have you ever carried an individual on a stretcher? Most of you probably haven't. Some of my military guys may have. We're not talking about something that's easy. Hey, this surely is not convenient. It definitely isn't comfortable. And here's the crazy part. I think this is where we have a challenge in our society today. The people who held the rope didn't receive a miracle. Most of us will do something that requires a sacrifice, that is a little uncomfortable, that hurts a little bit, as long as there's something in it for me. But some men, doesn't even say his friends, some men just held the rope, that's it. They got to the door and there was religious leaders there and someone, if it had been me, I would have been like, bro, get out of the way. I've been walking for four miles with this dude. I know he can't walk, but he can eat, okay? Get out of the way. <laughs> and if somebody had been like that to me, I would have probably started punching. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> These guys were determined. They go up on the roof and they lower him down and they just held the rope and because of that, a lame man walked. Wow. What's the rope in your life today. It may not be an actual paraplegic on a stretcher. Please don't tear a roof in the hole of this gym. We'll let you come in if you need to. But what's the rope in your hands? This is just simply what it is that I can do with my life. And I feel I'm scared to be honest with you. That in Orange County, this gravitational pull of leisure and convenience keeps Christians at a distance from a lost, hopeless, and dying world who needs to know, hey, if you are blind, it's okay, there's someone who can help you see. There's a truth out there that can bring restoration and hope to your marriage. Your teenagers don't have to go through hell before they experience the fullness of life. And God's just looking for people to hold the rope. And yes, it hurts. It's not convenient. Sometimes it looks like getting up at 5 o'clock to get to church to hold the rope by setting up some pipe and drape. There are men and women across the courtyard right now holding the rope by not just babysitting your kids, but speaking destiny and life into them. What is the rope in your hand? It's easier to let go, but there's a miracle just to say yes. Just hold the rope. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have all the answers. We can help you with that. Just hold the rope. Just hold the rope. How long, Pastor Kerry, till all have heard? I don't know if I can do that. Okay. 
Let me help you find a church where it's easier to slip in and slip out. I know that sounds so mean, and I love everybody here. But there's 2.7 million people who just need someone to hold the rope. It's not impossible. You can be average. You can be ordinary. Just hold the rope. For some of you in here, that might mean being consistent in your connect group to build great authentic relationships with people. For some, it might mean being consistent on a Sunday just to create an experience where people can come and say hi to someone who actually will shake their hand and smile and say, hey, come and sit by me. For some of you, it might mean jumping on the dream team. It's amazing. You would be so surprised to think that for a couple of hours every other week, you could actually make a difference in Orange County. My challenge to you is simply this. Just hold the rope. Just hold the rope. And I believe that God, through you, not me, but through you, will do something miraculous in the lives of men and women, boys and girls, in Orange County. If we can make that what our life is centered around, we can actually change the world. We can actually change the world. I've told one more story. I've told this before, but one of the craziest scenarios I've ever had in my entire life centered around a young boy and girl, eighth grade and ninth grade, that came to our youth ministry in Dallas. His name was Robert, and her name was Puny. And this kid would come, and this back in the day, Jinko jeans that were like this big with chains everywhere. Anybody remember Jinkos? Yeah, okay, cool. My people. Black fingernails, eyeliner, hair like <laughs> fingerless gloves, like just all. It was great. We loved him. One time he literally ran at me and did this flying ninja kick to try to kick me in the face. It was, it was great. I loved being a youth pastor. His sister's name was Puny and she wouldn't talk. And they came week after week. And one day we took him. We, somebody gave money to get him clothes. It was crazy. It was 100 bucks each. We took him to Kohl's. You can't even get much at Kohl's. Nobody wants to go to Kohl's, but we took him to Kohl's. And we took him to a place called Fuddruckers afterwards. You may ever been to Fuddruckers? It's a burger place. And you order your burger and you put everything on top of it. I'll never forget. I know, I'm sorry I'm crying. It makes me emotional. Robert got like 48 pickles. <laughs> Said a bun, a patty, like... Pickles. I said, Robert, do you like pickles? He goes, I love pickles. <laughs> he couldn't even bite into it. It was amazing. We're sitting down, and they said, we've never been to a restaurant before. We began to find out their story and discovered that one of their uncles took them into a back room in, a ho- in, a, in their house and molested one and forced the other to watch and then made them switch. Their dad was a little bit crazy, an alcoholic. He had a trailer out in the middle of a field the back 40, no electricity, no running water. And one day he made him go outside with a spoon and a pan and try to dig a well. And they came every week. And they were nuts. He's tried to sell weed in our church one day. <laughs> we had an officer there, and he's like, what do you want me to do? You mean to arrest me? No, let me take him. I'll talk to him. 
And I pulled him out by the lake. I said, why do you come back? Why do you come back? He said, because it's the only place I feel loved. Right? Selling weed in our stinking bathroom. Like I, everything, every trip we went on, I had to like discipline him and call his mom to come pick him up. He came to a place where there were no but cousins. And somebody just held the rope. And you know, I don't know where he's at right now in life. I don't know. I, I, we're Facebook friends, but that doesn't mean anything. But I do know for about three years, there was somebody speaking life into him. It wasn't just me, it was our team. And I just wonder how many Robert Renterias and Cunies live around here that just need you and me to hold the rope. No matter where you're at in your faith journey, some men, not religious leaders, not people who had it figured out, just some men and some women. Let's be that kind of church. How many of you, just by a show of hands, would say, you know what, I can hold the rope and make a difference? Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for us real quickly. God, I just thank you that you're in this place. And I thank you that you're doing something in our lives. And God, the truth is it's super easy to become a little more selfish a little more consumed with leisure, a little more consumed with what's comfortable, with what doesn't hurt. But God, we don't want to just live a comfortable life and miss out on the opportunities to make a difference in the lives of the people that aren't even here yet. So God, I just pray right now that you would help us to step up to the plate and just hold the rope. No matter what that looks like or tastes like, or feels like, that the blind can see, the lame can walk, and God, those that feel dead to life, to purpose, to dreams, can experience life again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, before I let you go, let me just take one moment. We do this every week. Faith is a journey. It's not membership to a church. And it has a starting point. It's not perfection. It's not eradicating your past. It's just a starting point where I say yes to Jesus. Have the faith that he wants to be in my life and just take my next step. And if you're here today and you've never started that journey, it's simple. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. No embarrassment. You don't have to get out of your seat or even pray it out loud. But right where you're at, just repeat the prayer after me and start the journey. Start the journey. Start the journey. If you're here and you've never begun that journey, this is your moment. Look at me. Some of you in this room have been running from God. You might know things. You might have some information and knowledge like the religious leaders in that church, but maybe running from God. Today is the day to come running back. When I pray this prayer, I want to challenge you. If you're here today, today recommit your faith to Him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. It's a simple prayer. If it's you, you've never started that journey or today's the day to begin it again in your own heart. Just repeat this prayer after me. You say, dear God, I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. Would you forgive me of my sins? Just make this statement your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.